listen, I like everything you're saying, Dr. Miller, but I have to tell you that I, I think one of the lessons learned for me is, you know, don't hire who you like, hire who you need. Right. I mean, I don't know. I agree to a certain extent, but I'm I'm not going to hire somebody that I blatantly do not think I could have a cup of coffee with. That's not gonna I, I work get what me. you're saying. Like, you know, I'm not saying find the most annoying person with the greatest skill set and you have to live with them right for the for the rest of your life on your team. But I have been in situations personally where I have thought, you know, OK, so this person has. I can, I can grow them. They have like the foundation of some of these skills, but I really, I like them. I like their energy. I like who they are. And then the time that it takes to really do something like that, maybe I didn't have the time in, in that period where I was working with that team to really pour into that person. So I just would beware that we're hiring for who we like. I do think that's a bonus. I mean, you, you have to, and maybe not even a bonus, like you said, you want to have a cup of coffee with them. They should fit into the team, but not just based on who you like. But I think what you're saying is potential. So I think if you're hiring, this is like a dating show, like don't fall in love with potential. Like I think that if you, if you're hiring somebody for a job and they have, they match the potential, their potential matches the job and meets the team's needs. That's great. If you see future potential, that's wonderful. But if you're hiring for a position and you need them to grow into the exact position that you are hiring them for, I think that's kind of what you're saying, that you wouldn't necessarily always have the time to do. Yeah, that. It's, it is. It's, it's really looking at, I think I've made the mistake at times in hiring someone that I think will fit in with the team and, and is, you know, is fun and that I have that kind of connection. And I really like in the interview moments when they're going to take so many more resources to get them into the role that I need them into. Whereas there may have been someone that, you know, there, maybe there wasn't that spark. Maybe there wasn't that like instant bond that you might have. Maybe I didn't like fall in love with them immediately, but their skill set could put them in the position up and running so much faster. It, I think you have to really look at that because I, I think as humans, you know, when we have a spark with someone, when we have a connection, they honestly, they move up in, in the, in the running, right. They're on your leaderboard, whereas maybe they weren't before. So I think, I think for me, that's one of my biggest takeaways is I really have to be cognizant. I really have to be thoughtful about filling the position with the right person. Who's not going to draw on resources that maybe we just don't have in that moment. Right. That really, we have to get them up and running very quickly and not just because they're likable or one's more likable than the other. Yes, they want to get along with, I want them to get along with the team. I want to be able to have coffee with them for sure, for sure. But at the same time. I need to be able to have coffee, but you also need to evaluate your bandwidth when you're bringing somebody in. Sometimes you have more space to grow and learn. And if you're building, depending on what you're building, sometimes you're filling a need, a vacancy, something that was filled. So I think that is a little bit different. How about we go back and say why teams are important to begin with? I love it. I love it. Well, we did some research on it, right? As we always do, as, as we were trained in our doctoral programs to get out there and look at the research. 
So there were three lists that we were looking at, and we wanted to know the the top 10 biggest benefits, biggest advantages, like how does working as a team really enhance job effectiveness and the workplace? So what did we look at? We looked at, we looked at Harvard, right? Harvard Business Review. We did. And we looked at your Yale.edu. And then there's a website out there also called um, Eval Career. And they look at evaluations and monitoring of different um, job opportunities. And and they all had, I would say there were a lot of similarities, right, on those lists. A lot of overlap. Definitely a lot of similarities, a little bit difference in the language, but for the most part, same general concept. A lot about, um, you know, making... Creating more learning opportunities because you learn from one another, those kinds of things. Um, There was one that seemed a little counterintuitive that we talked about that was on one of the lists. It said um, it allows for more independence, right, which seems kind of like counterintuitive to teamwork, allowing for more independence. But we talked about how it really empowers you to do your job in the team, right? And, and kind of take on that piece. But we came up with our own, with our, with our, from the research that we've done, and we narrowed it down to, to three. It's pretty cool. We narrowed it down to three, and the first one I think actually was your favorite. Was it so my favorite. You Thank you. It was. You're right. It was that teamwork enables better problem solving and unlocks potential for innovation. And I love that. If some, if you're working together with a team and you see someone doing something slightly different, but it's more efficient or more effective. Or you see the opposite, it's it's not more efficient or it, it is less effective, that you have then the opportunity to innovate in a way that um, you've either seen it done, so you're doing like appreciative inquiry, this was successful, so I'm going to take that and I'm going to run with it, or we're all having this problem, how could we address it in a different way? So I, I like that because we're always looking to do things, right? Work, work, what is it? Work smarter, not harder, Right. I, and so one of the things on the list that is not on our top three, but it's adjacent to your number one, in my opinion, is risk taking. So if you're with the team and you have the ability to innovate, it's really that team giving you the power and the the feeling that you can take that risk. So I think that's an important or sister. That's so true. That sense of safety one. and trust and, and having a thought partner, right? That's what, that's what having a work bestie is all about. Having someone that supports you and that you can talk things through. And if you have a really good cohesive team, like you were saying, you have the opportunity to engage in that kind of back and forth. And um, there's that level of trust. So I, I like that one. I think that's a good one. And if the innovation is, you know, it, cost benefit analysis. Here's the risk. Here's what it could get us. Do we yeah. want to take it? And are we all in? I so I love it. I, I love it. One. Number two. Number two is, I, I think this was both of ours, but it was that teamwork encourages accountability and an innate desire to please. And I think that I am fond of the language that we added to this because I think if you're truly in a cohesive team and accountability is is really part of your culture, 
you're not putting the onus of accountability and keeping you accountable on someone else. There's a trust that each member of the team is holding themselves accountable. Sure, every once in a while, things happen, but the general whole, you have an innate desire to please your team, show up for your team, be on time for your team because they matter. So they're not chasing you down. I love that. And I know we've, we've talked and, and when we've been on teams together um, and, and even helped each other through um, times when we've seen that certain team members are not kind of pulling their weight or not, you know, doing the agreed upon tasks to move forward. In fact, we are very good friend, Dr. Gutierrez, Rick Gutierrez talks about that, um, that label, uh, uh, he shared with us social loafer, right? That, that there was, <laughs> right. I remember him t- talking to us about that. We'll have to have him come on and like, and talk to us a little bit more, but that there might be someone who enjoys the team atmosphere and wants to be a part of a work group. But when it comes down to it, they're really in it for the social piece, not so much for the work. And I think, I think mm-hmm. in the right team, who's being honest and trustworthy and where you can be vulnerable, you can support that person right? With that ability to move things forward. But like you said, for the most part, for the majority of the team members, it it really is about not letting one another down. When you work as a team, you want to together get across the finish line of whatever that project is or, or whatever that hill is you're climbing. So I liked that language a lot that you added. I thought that was really good. Number Number three. I love it. You do it. Uh, Teamwork cultivates communication and strengthens work relationships. And that was specifically, I just happened to remember that it was from um, youryell.edu. And they added inside of that, that camaraderie and a sense of friendship are associated with the highest level of morale and job satisfaction. So good. That's so good, right? It's having a work bestie. It's having someone, someone that you can you can celebrate the wins with, you can, you know, commiserate about what, where the fails are and the lessons that you learn and what you can do moving forward. So that relationship is really important. And, and I think like us, we were put on a team, a work group together, a team together, and that's how our friendship developed. That's how we met one another. That's how our friendship developed. And now lifelong friends, gone through school, right? Like there's so much that has been added to our lives. (laughs) Gone through school, that smile. Um, Almost died. (laughs) But I mean, even, you know, this venture where we want to share and create this community that all kind of came from this idea that we became strong in our relationship through what we'd gone through. And, and it's funny, we were talking earlier and you made a joke about trauma bonding, right? That can totally happen too, right? Like not naming any names. Someone's got to be in the trenches when you're in the trenches together and you can That's come right. out on the other That's side. Right. I mean, that is something. We don't have data on this and maybe we'll have to do it another time, but laughter at work and humor at work, I think would be the the comment adjacent to this one and really bringing those friendships together because when they're authentic and you can laugh, even if there is a mistake and then you can kind of bounce back because you have that team. I mean, that is really truly the, the most beautiful kind, right? When you're able to take the risk, sometimes fail, learn from it, move on, be accountable 
don't make the same mistake twice. I mean, it really that's is. the idea. It really is. And we also know that this idea of teamwork in general, you know, the history of it is moving the work along, everyone kind of taking their own piece of it and moving the work along on a common goal. So if you have people who are bringing diverse talents together and can each take a part and, and move things forward, even though there'll be times maybe where we're, you know, we aren't agreeing on things. How do we work through that? What can we do? It, it really is. It, it's a more efficient, effective, and just overall joyous way to get things done. And I love the humor part that you have to, you do have to have that. So do you think when you're forming a team, so let's say you have the opportunity to come in and occasionally you have the opportunity to hire all new team members. Occasionally you have the opportunity to hire new team members as a vacancy comes up. What do you think people should be concentrating on when they're forming those teams? That's good. You know, I think it, it, I think it starts with if, if you're in a situation where you're kind of creating your own team fresh out of the box, right? I think that really has to do with awareness of your strengths and maybe where your opportunities for growth lie so that you could capitalize on bringing people on your team who are like content experts, subject matter experts, who can speak to those areas that you don't really know about, right? So that that would be that self awareness would be really important. What do, what do you, where would you start? What do you think? And I I agree, and I think it does go back a little bit to our very beginning conversation because I think you are genuinely attracted to people mm-hmm. that look like you in a, in personality wise, right? We kind of joked earlier, mirror mirror on the wall, and it's you you innately get drawn to them, and you really need. Generally speaking, if you're a big picture person and you need somebody that is really good at details, they are going to have a different personality there. So you need to be open to saying, let's see that side of your personality and see if it's still compatible, knowing that you need some of those skills. I think it's really important in the moment to say, not only just can I enjoy this person and have a cup of coffee, it's really um compatibility, which isn't the same. It's not, it doesn't mean that you're the same. It just means that you complement each other in a, in a way. I, I'm big on the humor thing. I think if you can be totally opposite than me, but if we, if you can be sarcastic and like dry humor, we can probably work together. You know, what's funny is you do, you do. And I was just thinking when you were saying that about, um, you know, having that complimentary, actually you said compatible, which I like even better than complimentary, right? I like the compatible piece. Um, I like that word when you're talking about it, because I was just thinking about informing this partnership, right? Um, I was, I was talking about you the other day and I said, you know, that in our we were working on something. I can't even remember what it was. I think we were talking about a, a, a t-shirt, right? A t-shirt design for, for this partnership, for this platform, for our community. And, um, you know, I was still thinking about maybe what color the t-shirt had to be. And, you know, you had done the research on the best cotton blend and, and what sizes we were going to need and how we could market it. And I, you know, that, that compatibility of, you know, just, the role that you play in, in a relationship, it, it really does transfer not only to relationships at work, but to relationships outside of work too, right? Like understanding what 
or valuing what other people bring to the table. I think that's really important. And that's not always easy. That's not always easy. Sometimes when it's someone who's opposite or who has different strengths than you do, it can drive you a little bananas or even rub up against you a little bit. Like Brene says, right? You, you might even rumble a little bit, but um, I think it's, I think that value is there for sure. Has to be there. One of the things to, um, to your point, just about relationships and transference is that one of the things, an easy way, if you're having a hard time thinking about what culture you want to build on your team, think about the best team you were ever participated in. You can go back to your first soccer team, any, any team, what was the team that made you feel the most a part of something also Brene, that you belonged right? Not that you had to be there, but that you truly belonged there and you were adding value. And then think about that team. There's no, there's rarely two of the same. Even if they're two of the same positions, they're doing different yep. things or they're not yep. in at the same time. And so. the personalities are so different, right? You, you have people who are more quiet, maybe doing their job. I'm thinking like, you know, an outfielder person versus someone who might be more in control mm-hmm. or like a, I don't know, like a catcher for some reason that's like, Colin, what pitch is going to go? Like you just have different personalities within each one of those positions that are go- going to come together to make that team. So that diversity piece is huge. That's a that's a big piece of diversity in thought and in our team members and in what they bring to the table is is really big, too. I think that's a a really important thing to think about, too. So one tool that I think if you agree that we could provide is and this tool would really be specific if you have some members of your team already existing and you have the opportunity to expand replace, add, change, or whatever's going on in your organization. There was something published, um, roles people play in a team in building a high-performance team, proven techniques for effective team working by Cook in 2009. I don't know that we'll be able to give you the actual paper just because of copyright laws, but we'll talk you through it. And he really talks about looking at the action-oriented portion of the team member. So you could do this in a million different versions, but you're really just kind of breaking down your team and understanding. um, And he uses some unique language such as the driver, right? So if you want to use sports analogies, which I love quarterback, right? Like their driver quarterback, like who's calling the shots. And if you have too many drivers, you're going to get into an accident. So you want to diversify. So if you already have that, Perhaps you're looking for what I'll call the handyman. They're moving into practical action. So the driver's calling the shots, getting the play together, and the handyman's kind of making it happen. So I don't know. What do you think about that? I think it makes so much sense because too many cooks in the kitchen, right? I'm sure we could think of so many of these sayings over time that it just is... It's so true. You have to you have to know when to take the lead and when to fall back, um, and when to let others lead. And I, I think that's really important. And the handyman, you know, you roll, who's going to roll up their sleeves and get the work done? It's great if we're all standing around saying what work needs to be done and when it's due and what we have to do. But who's really going to roll up their sleeves? So. I think we play different parts at different times, but I think we have to have all of those parts together to move forward efficiently, right? And to be a cohesive team like we're talking about. So I like that. And what's your preference? You want people to do what they prefer, right? So even if you could do all of these, 
Next one up, the proofreader. Assist the team in delivering on time Gosh. with detail. <laughs> not it. <laughs> I would. I can't. I will, my but I'd rather not. Immediately, like, my thoughts went to like the the person that project manager role, right? That person who like lays it out yeah. so beautifully, takes all the chaos and can put it into that really nice, beautiful timeline, and um, really can can be sure everybody knows when things are due and who's doing what, and and that does it. You're right. That doesn't necessarily that. Sometimes that can be the leader, but I can see it as a more effective team if that's not the leader, if that's the person who's monitoring this long period of time, right? And and really making it all work. What was that one called again? The proofreader. Love the it. The proofreader. Love it. Don't want it at all, but love it. People oriented. People oriented. That's more our speed. We have also the chairperson. Facilitate discussion, good at drawing out opinions. So they're going to hold back and kind of allow like people that. to speak. I like that. And draw. And you said important, draw it out, right? Without putting someone on the spot, but making sure that people are given the space to make those comments and to really share their thoughts or their opinions or even share what they can do logistically, right? I mean, when you got a lot on your plate and you're a member of a team, and now they're asking for volunteers to, you know, be that handyman and roll up their sleeves. You, you have to be able to say, how do you want me to prioritize this? What, what, what can I take on and what can I not take on? So I like that. Two more in the people oriented category are the accommodator and the Ooh. networker. Okay. The accommodator. Tell me more about that one. Cause I don't know when I think an accommodator, tell me more. I think uh, from what I understand, it's quiet and accommodating. So it's really just if you're looking at the three categories for the team, which based on Cook 2009 are action oriented, people oriented and thinking members inside the people oriented. He has it classified as chairperson, accommodator, networker. So ways to to think about that. And I I think it's just what it sounds like. Just kind of like, okay, absolutely. I'll take that down 100 percent. I'll get that to you by noon on Friday. No no real questions, just and making it helping happen. others too, right? How how can I help you in your part? What what oh, can yeah. you do to help with that? Yeah, sure. I'll move my yep. meeting. I like I'll that. I like that. And thank you for sharing the framework again because that makes sense. That people oriented versus the other piece. So no, no, it's good. It's good. Got that. Um, And the last is thinking team members, and there are two. The evaluator looks at all the options Mm. and is very discerning. And then the ideas person, skilled in generating options. Nice. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. 100%. I mean, I can see the value. And then I can also see, like we were just talking about, you know, where my, that self-awareness as the either the leader of the team or someone who's putting the team together where I would need more support with some of those skills. Like we talked about that project management piece as far as, you know, that that title goes and some of the other pieces that you really would want someone who feels connected to that role and strong in that role to be able to take it on to be most successful. Makes sense. So are there three lessons learned that we would pass on regarding either the why for teams or when we've built teams? Yeah, I think, 
I think really it, it goes back again to having full knowledge, having full, maybe not knowledge. That's, that's a little, that's a little deep. Let's say awareness, having a very high awareness of what this team, what the players are, what the, the actual positions are that you're going to need on that team. And I mean, what people are bringing to it. So there's, there's a book out there called Traction, and it talks about having the right, you know, we've all heard that having the right people at the table, right? But it talks about actually having the right seats at the table before you can fill with the person, mm-hmm. right? So really that awareness of knowing what are all the parts that we're going to need in this team? What do I bring to it? What do I need others to bring to it in order to be successful? I think that's self-awareness. And I also think, Dr. Miller, I think sometimes leaders have a really hard time admitting that they have an area that is maybe needs more development or that is not as strong as, you know, they, they kind of come sometimes to the table with this, overall, I can do it all kind of thing. And and really, no, you, you need a team in order to be able to get effective, efficient, high quality work done and compensate for those areas that we that are weaknesses. I love it. That's that's absolutely true. So why don't we say lesson? The lesson learned is self-awareness. And the three components within the self-awareness would be awareness of yes. your own deficits and areas yes. of opportunities for growth, awareness of what your team needs, what compatibility, what strengths needs to be added Love and that. infused to the team. And the third is... I would say it is, well, for us, it's who we're serving, right? It is the the population or the community that's going to um, either partake of the service or... Uh, actually purchase the product, you know, you have to be connected to that in order to build a product, even if it's an intellectual product or a service that's going to be of quality and meet their need. So I I, I think that would probably be the third Mm -hmm. part. What, What do you think? I agree. And I, well, and I think it's part of the reason we're even going on this journey is because we were once in need, right? We, we were once just out there and still some days, but really just thinking, how do you do this? So if you really are forming a team and you're looking at your own deficits, you're looking at what your team needs and what the individuals you serve or consumer base or whatever the situation is, have you been there? Have you had some experience or do you have a deep understanding from some other source that can create your value in this scenario. I think that I, I think that's it. Go past that job description, right? Look for what the essence of that role within your organization and within your team, the essence of what that role needs. What are all of the nuances of what's needs? Don't, don't just go for what you like. And hot tip, if you're in an interview, always ask 
what is the culture that they are building or perpetuating and see if they can answer that question. That's awesome. Type in biglove.com. Be sure to like, share, rate, and leave a positive review. And if you don't have anything positive, no worries. You can skip that part. As always, the questions and stories to share are welcome at theproject.biglove at gmail.com. Now for our legal disclaimer from Dr. Johnston. Best practice for change management is to be sure all parties are informed. Please be sure you discuss with your leaders or supervisors any ideas from our podcast today that you might like to use in your organization before implementing. Thank you.